0: Good evening. Uh, I am Elena Kalinowska, Director of Public Programs, and it's wonderful to see you here during this windy evening. Um, this is our first Meet the Artist talk in this season, and it'll be Phoebe Greenberg who will join us to discuss her most recent film and new works, together with the Hirshhorn's curator Kelly Gordon. Kelly Gordon has been running a black box um, for many years and it is known for presenting up-and-coming as well as well-known international artists to the DC area. Uh, Let me tell you a little bit about forthcoming programs. Uh, The film series that Kelly Gordon is also in charge of is starting next Thursday, March 4th. And our next Meet the Artist program it's with John Gerard who is a directions artist his exhibition or is on the third floor and that particular program will be on March 18th so I hope that you will join us as well. I'd like to uh, acknowledge here Lawrence A. Cohen and Ringler Associates for their support of Black Box. Now let me do an artist introduction now. Phoebe Greenberg was born in Ottawa, Canada and now lives in Montreal. With the roots in the theater, Phoebe is an artist and business professional dedicated to culture. In addition to all her work, Phoebe is also the founder and director of DHC Art Foundation for Contemporary Art in Montreal, a museum that brings Montreal some of the most compelling art of our time. She also heads a music and film production company called Phi which has become a laboratory for cultural research in the field of music, film, new media and architecture. Next Floor, a short film conceptualized and produced by Phoebe and directed by Denis Vallano, has participated in about 150 festivals worldwide and of course is now in our black box. Curator Kelly Golden specializes in film video and new media and organizes, as I said, all of the work presented in the black box. She also put together the Direction John Gerard exhibition, which is on view on the third floor. Among others, she has also been one of the four curators of the Cinema Effect exhibition, which was presented here in 2008 and which will be touring in Spain. Please join me in in welcoming Phoebe and Kelly to the stage.
1: Great. <laughs> I now, guess I can, now I can go. <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: no, no. Uh,
1: I guess first I should say that I found this film at the Rotterdam Film Festival. It was shown on a big screen as part of a film presentation and in fact it was the, uh, a film that was before a, uh, a biopic on Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> which I never got to see because I ran out to find out who was involved in this film. I was so impressed with it and I'm um, presuming that everybody in the room has seen Next Floor. So let's ask Phoebe some questions and then you all can ask Phoebe some questions. And I guess the first logical thing is for you to tell us more about yourself and your background, which you mentioned a little bit here, and how it led to this fantastic project.
2: Um, I, I think fundamentally um, I've been had a preoccupation with the apocalyptic consequences <laughs> of uh, some of our actions. Um, I spent 20 years in the theater and I found that I had reoccurring themes. And I, I, I felt that this medium, although I've never made, been a filmmaker, um, I felt that it was a, an excellent opportunity to delve into this uh, world, um, but leave a trace. Well, you
1: talk about the building in this as inspiring your wanting to make something, but how
2: did it lead into this particular narrative? Well, I think there were a couple of things that happened. One, as it was mentioned, I I direct and founded DHC Art, which is a foundation for contemporary art, located in old Montreal. So we gutted the building for the exhibition spaces. And in order to pay homage to the building and, and, and and uh, document it, we did a QuickTime movie uh, over the years that it took to, to transform it. When now I'm presently transforming this particular building, and in order to document it, I didn't want to do a, say, the same process. So I thought, well, we have this incredible playground. We can do anything we want because the building's going to be destroyed regardless. And I said, well, let's write something. And the working title was actually Meat. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, it, it, you know, I thought of the dinner party, of the bourgeoisie, because I wanted to find something that was straightforward, that didn't require dialogue, that was really an aesthetic piece. Um, so that's, that's kind of, was the initial motor to, to getting the piece done.
1: And with short film, I always ask people, what, why short film and how do you define what the duration should be? I mean, I think we could watch them go down a few more. You know. <laughs> How did you form what, what well, would th- be so captivating? Because a lot of film doesn't really work so well in the black box, but when I saw this, I immediately thought this would be a, a perfect thing for our space.
2: Well, I, I thought a lot about it, like what was the motivation of making a short film, you know, because I think that there's, there's installations. Like right now, we have Alisa Attila in our um, museum. and you know she creates her pieces uh, f- specifically for the gallery experience, and the motivation is that it 's an oeuvre and I think that the same similar motivation we had with, with making this film was that it was not so much that it was um, with the intent of so much making a film it was sort of with the intent of doing an oeuvre and I think that there is a, um, a, a, i stuck in my French, le, temps juste there 's a correct Like there was no intention of saying, "Oh, it's got to be 13 minutes long, or it's got to be nine minutes long." It was really the time that it that we felt resulted in in accurately accurately telling the story. And how much did
1: um, people who came? Did you do an open call audition? How did you find these faces?
2: Well, the auditioning process was uh, a hoot, actually, because. I, uh, uh, the line producer and called up all the agents and said, please send us your most unusual people. <laughs> and, uh, and about 70 people showed up. Um, and it was interesting because Denis Villeneuve, who, who's a filmmaker, um, had generally run auditions where he was more of a psychological exchange. And, and I understood that when I walked into the um, foyer, before, prior to the studio, I thought this isn't going to work for any psychological <laughs> exchange. So um, we created some exercises, theatrical exercises, like the scale of laughter that, that from my previous life. And, and what it did, it allowed us to establish a chorus and, and see how these actors would, would work well together um, in a very uh, more of a physical and organic way. And, and it, you know it was interesting. So it was kind of pairing off people, and then, and then also because of their looks, some of the aesthetic came after.
1: How much did they know about it when they came to the call, about what the what it would be and um, what it would involve?
2: We gave them a synopsis. I, I don't think they realized that they would be covered in flour, and <laughs> we had we had the um, two kitchens, one with that obviously had the the. Aesthetic-looking, grotesque, and then we had the edible food. Uh, But unfortunately, I mean, of course, we were very sanitary. But they still had to sit and eat, looking at the rhinoceros or the (laughs) Bambi carpaccio. (laughs)
1: And And I must, I must say about the rhinoceros. I know that that was your logo image. And in fact, I'm sure that of you know, 300 films that were in Rotterdam, this poster everywhere with this gigantic rhinoceros head was what made me make sure that I saw it. <laughs> However, <laughs> when we had it here, we felt we needed something that told more about what the film was like, so we used the um, actress with the, with the cup as our, our logo image here. But um, had, where did the rhinoceros, where, where did these kinds of things come from?
2: Well, well it's a funny story because the art director had found a taxidermist who had, was sort of getting rid of his things. <laughs> And, um, and, I mean, he had this collection of unbelievably exotic animals and the whole notion of the exotic animal is that it's, it pushes that limit of the unsustainable, you know, the, the fact that these people, no meat exists anymore, there's no vegetation and these people are eating the last. Ex- the last. <laughs> um, and, uh, so, uh, it, Stumbling on this, we, we, we were able to create uh, dishes based on what he had and at one point I drew the line because he had a baby seal and I said, no, <laughs> please no, but uh, the uh, the rhinoceros we couldn't part with so now he lives in the middle of our office.
1: Well, when I saw it, it was at the time that the market was crashing and I wonder it did. Was that something that was happening while the production was underway, or that was after? Because I think a lot of people who see it now, that you can't help but feel, especially as they go down and down, that there's this endless, just when you think it's the end and it's, there's more, it seems to have a lot of um, resonance with
2: socio-political things that are going on. So, well, I, think, um, I think it was incredible timing. Um, we didn't anticipate the crash to the level that <laughs> happened. But I think that there was a general feeling certainly in the real estate market and that things were, were going to burst at some point in time. Um, I don't think anybody anticipated. Certainly it wasn't written for that reason. Uh, As a reason. response. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, to me it's my obsession. So. Um, but, but by the time we actually got the film made and, and it went out to the festival circuit, it, 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 it took on more and more resonance. I think, due to the economic crisis.
1: Well, and when I found it, which was this time last year almost exactly, I thought, how fast can I get it on the screen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hoping that by the time... And they said, oh, well, it won't open until December. And I thought, oh, well, by then everything will have calmed down. So that's not the case at all. And it, again, mm-hmm. it continues to have, I think, and we'll always have this kind of power because of all the different things that it touches on. So, And um, when you... Was there ever any temptation to have any dialogue or... It almost feels a little bit like a dream, too, because of the sort of tonalities in the background and this sort of hovering image.
2: Well, I think part of it was we wanted the idea that the building had a, had a life of its own. So if you listen to the soundtrack, you know, like you'll get the African drum, drumming and you'll get the distorted waltz. Um, but the idea was that, you know, the cracking of the floors and, you know, the, the powder that falls is that you kind of felt Something oppressive, uh, somewhat controlled by the environment, and uh, and these people, regardless of what they would try to do or to sustain their lifestyle, they were going to fail. So the idea of dialogue puts it in a more. D- it's a difficult subject to to to, to talk about. So I, I felt that you know we wanted the the bouffonnerie, the the and that dark comic approach and and it was Jack Davids who came up with the idea of them going through the floor. You know, um, and I think that that said it all. (laughs) Well, and
1: it seems like it would be a special effect. Were there things that were special effects now that we know that you were actually crashing through the floor? For
2: Um, You know, we did it in five days actually And, and we wanted to avoid that you saw the special effects. We tried to keep a a little bit of an, a rhythm of an old movie like when the the waiters are going down the stairs we sped up the film um, you know there's an aesthetic that is definitely you don't think special effects uh, first and foremost um, but we had two days in front of a green screen where we tied these poor people to chairs <laughs> and shook the floor and in fact there's one actor who's Quite plump and and decided to dress up in that green suit so he would disappear and then he floated around Kentucky Fried Chicken and um, it was was very funny. It was a great group of people to hang out with and they were very patient despite the um, horrific (laughs) experience. (laughs) <laughs> would they Would they ever make another movie with you? were they
1: all, wh- what was the, what was the closing party like? Was everyone so relieved not to have to be sort of uh, you know what People covered were cool. or covered. They yeah were, they were
2: you know Denis Villeneuve is a really charming man and and he just made it fun for everybody and it was a, the, the crew came in um, with this incredible desire to, to to do this project and and it created a really great family experience because it 's more theatrical than in a very traditional um, filmmaking process. So.
1: Well, that's coming from you too, probably. And this, I mean, really, you, with what special effect do you need with those fa- The faces are kind of do it all. I mean, it could be a photo gallery of characters. They're so fantastic and go so much with what the topic uh, is. Um, can you go back and tell me more about the music? Because that also seems so perfectly to pull you in and put you through this experience.
2: Well, I think, it again, it all comes back to the notion of parody and mockery um, and the whole ritual of the world of the Buffon. They're a gang. You know, there's not one Buffon. And the, and the, the ritual, at the African drumming, uh, you know, you feel something is foreboding and, and it kind of brings it out of a context, you know, it's unpredictable and, uh, and somewhat subtly integrated. Um, and again, the, the distortion of, of some of the more bourgeoisie type of dinner music was uh, intentional to, to again push the parody in the, uh, of the situation.
1: And what about the lighting designer? Because that seems like an awfully tricky role in this one.
2: Well, surprisingly enough, um, because the building was aban- is abandoned, um, it, it has glass block in the windows, so it had a natural diffusing quality. Like, it's, when you walked into the building, it has that creepy quality. Um, so, so, we had an excellent DOP and, and we, we really did it kind of old Hollywood with bringing in lights and, um, but, but, but kind of enhancing what was already there. Like, there's practically no set decoration. You know, we, we put a hole in the floor um, <laughs> and just about, you know, and bought a chandelier. You know, I mean, a lot of what 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 you see is 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 what was existing. And when you had it together, did you say we just documented
1: the building, or did you have this other life that the film has taken on in mind at any point?
2: It the whole um, result of of next floor. I mean, I was thrilled when I, you know, was sort of sitting through the editing process and going. Wow. This is great. <laughs> this is kind of cool, you know, but but I never anticipated I, I, my ambitions were not to become a filmmaker in, in in kind of a traditional way. So the fact that it traveled the world and people get inspired is fabulous. And but I look were, at it. What were the what were
1: some point. of your favorite places that the film has been
2: shown? Um I mean, because I work in the contemporary art world, I, I tried to go to places that I could kind of like I went to Bilbao's <laughs> because I wanted to see the Guggenheim, and that the theater was kind of cool, um, where it showed. And and uh, I mean, I, I haven't traveled that much with it. I traveled out of curiosity to see also who we could meet. if Cannes was fun, of course, um, and uh, we did go to Sundance, and and periodically, you know. But now it's 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 coming to the end of its career?
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, what's the marker for short films? And, and we were trying to pull you guys into maybe making an edition available, like at the bookstore or something like that, since we have a work um, by Frisillian Weiss that we actually market. And people like to collect it and have it and own it and see it again. And uh, is there that kind of? Spark for this, do you think? Or?
2: Well, th- you know, th- that's one of the, the, the things that we're trying to figure out in PHY, in, in, in trying to do really good artistic-driven projects and find out what is the best way to diffuse it, you know, post-internet. So, I, I, I mean, I think you could see Next Floor on a telephone, I mean, a telephone, yes, cell on phone. a telephone, yeah, yeah. and uh, cell phone. Um, so there, there are different ways that people but I, I, I'm, I'm really happy with the gallery experience because we hadn't anticipated that at all, so that, that's very cool. Thank you.
1: Oh, listen, I, I was so thrilled when I immediately saw it and tracked down Danny, who was working with the film and promoting it there, and said, I said, I have to have this, and he said, well, what are you going to do with it? And I said, well, I have a film program, but really, I think it belongs as an installation, and I think it's, it's worked for us. Yeah. Um, and moreover, what I want to ask you is, what's next? Are you working on another film project? And
2: um, we have another short film that's uh, in the final editing process, which is, again, um, done by a Montreal um, filmmaker, not, not Denis know, His name is Pedro Perez. And it's inspired by a theatrical play um, by one of my favorite authors called Marie Brassard, who's also uh, from Montreal. And it, again, it's a film with no dialogue. And it um, conquers a, a rather large theme of, of a, a love story. And it's sort of born in the subconscious of a man who's uh, uh, lost his, uh, a colonel who's lost his uh, battalion, I guess is the word, uh, uh, to destroyed and he's uh, just dying and it becomes surrealistic. So and very beautifully shot. The man is a visual artist. So, so I, I think we're going to kind of stay in that realm of Art films that can be shown across uh, platforms. Yeah, platforms, and uh, and then we have a documentary on global warming, uh, which is uh, we've been shooting now in Alaska and in Copenhagen and New York for the last year. So again, the whole notion of green is very a strong preoccupation for us. And when will when will these be ready? Um, Jimmy is the working title, and it should be ready probably in six. Well, we hoped for Cannes, um but, but we'll see. If you're ready, will you come back
1: and be with us for the Environmental Film Festival next year and show it
2: <laughs> and talk absolutely, about it? Absolutely, absolutely. I would love it. Great.
1: Well, this is called Meet the Artist, so I'm presuming that a lot of people out there may have some questions for Phoebe. So we'll open the floor. Melena. <laughs>
0: Um,
2: I haven't met him, um, but I have seen La classe morte. Um, There there are a couple of notions. One is um, obviously the aesthetic of of these very stylized personalities. Um, Also this sense of the interior and the exterior. Um, Again, a a feeling of decay of the bourgeoisie. uh, Also, some writers I've worked with, Daniel Harms, a Russian absurdist, so again, I I seem to gravitate to the same um, themes, I guess.
1: The big important themes, I think you should say, (laughs) the big stuff. Are there some more questions? If
2: at all, what? How did you go about raising the money to do this? Um, it was a in French we say Um so a lot of it came out of my pocket. Uh. Some of it came out of uh, um, exchange of services. We also took our time, meaning like the special effects. People wanted to be a part of it, and and so they would do it on the side because we had no deadline. We weren't. It wasn't you know, ambitious in the sense that we had to get to a film festival. It was really done over a year, um, so we could kind of keep our costs fairly low. Well, within reason. (laughs) Anyway, I hope your next not out of the We're going to rewind. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it was certainly intentional that the, the desperation accelerated as they fell through the, the floors. Um, and, and yes, it was intentional that, that at one point in time, that kind of dilemma or that pressure creates different reactions. I mean, there was sort of the two men going into competo- competition mode. There were the three, which I coined vultures, the bald men who kind of ate insatiably, there was the woman who had some inkling that this probably wasn't a good idea, and then eventually said, okay, well, I might as well, <laughs> you know, so, so, so the whole pressure of the circumstances created um, a reaction that, that hopefully was a harmonious uh, result. But yes, it was intentional. Well, um, it, it how many hours
1: of actual eating were there? <laughs>
2: um, not, not that many, fortunately. Um, but it was, it was, I would say, in total, maybe they were around that dinner table with the actual food that they had to eat. Uh, maybe maximum three, four hours, but in two, two, two days. Uh, although the the one gentleman with the beard he sp- stayed at the table and kept eating and i told <laughs> I told him he had to stop because he was going to get himself ill um, but but they were really good sports, and we, we tried to really make sure that you know we kept it as minimal because they had all that dust and debris. And, the sounds are sort of like. Well, we won't go there. <laughs> in the back. Um, we. we there, there were. It was sort of a. There's not really a significance. It was more that the woman, when she auditioned, she came in and she's like six foot four. and and very powerfully built and um, beautiful woman but just surprisingly athletic and we wanted to kind of, it, it suggested that she become sort of more the military severe and then there was another man who you might have noticed who we decided to become more effeminate and it was based on really doing an analysis of their aesthetic once we had because it really had a lot of aesthetic thought but in a organic way, we didn't have to kind of force things, so, so we analyzed based on the faces and, and the people and, and the building a chorus that we felt had, had aesthetic value. Well, I, think, I I think fundamentally, we tried to create a, a very strong texture without placing it in, in a particular country or era in time, so the whole notion of caught in time is excellent because that 's probably what we wanted to do. we didn 't want to identify it necessarily with any group of people. It was a representation of what of a class of people. Um, the Salvation Army was a big help in terms of the clothing. So, you know, a lot of it was improvised based on what we could find. Um, we worked with a, a dear friend of mine, Renata Morales, who's a designer in Montreal, who happens to have a workshop ab- ab- above our offices. And, and, and she moderned up things with, you know, again, an interpretation of, of, a, of an older and timeless Group of bourgeoisie, but but with kind of modern elements. Well, that that was Denis Villeneuve's understanding and and of of a point of uh, reference to make it cinematic. You know, he he he. he strongly felt that we needed to feel compassion for at least one of the individuals. <laughs> I, on the other hand. <laughs> but, 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 you know, he, he's, as a filmmaker, he really made it happen. yeah but I, well, I think that was uh, again just uh, to 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 ha- to create some compassion uh, so that evoking more of the tragedy
1: <laughs> okay. Actually I can go let me know the I can find Oh, <laughs>
2: would say, I mean, I don't know the exact re- real hour, um, but probably, I think we had about nine hours approximately. I might be off by an hour or two, forgive me. <laughs> Oh, La Grande Bouffe. OK. Yeah, yeah, right. And, yes, I oh. guess <laughs> I <laughs> um, I was wondering if you could speak a little bit if, um, if you felt like your films were in the history sort of grotesque
0: film or grotesque literature. And I, I don't know enough about sort of that history to think about if you were playing it
2: there or if you weren't learned and, and to write it in the book out. I think I heard the word grotesque. That, is mm-hmm. that possible? Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the, the, um, I'm trying to think. You know, there are certain traditions, like I've mentioned the Buffon a million times and, and the Bouteau who who kind of delve into that world of decay and and uh, I, I think that the word grotesque is a little bit difficult to define in the context of, of History, you know, and because it's a reference in in, in literature and painting, uh, Shakespeare, uh, gargoyles on architecture. Um, so, but definitely in that, the idea of being the outsiders, you know, the the like, for example, a leprosy camp uh, are excluded from mainstream society, yet they will create their own society and sometimes mock uh, what they consider uh, an, uh, so our main, mainstream social uh, structure, if that makes any sense. Um, so, so I guess if, if I had to interpret the world of the grotesque in, in that vein, I would say that, that definitely this is where, we, where we're trying to place ourselves. It was a, it was, you know what, it's an excellent question because uh, we weren't quite sure how we were going to maneuver that, but the great thing is, is that it was a really wonderful collaboration because I know well enough to stay away from things that I know nothing about, you know, and at the same time because of its highly theatrical element, like running the auditions for example, or working a little bit with the three waiters to try to get rhythm to, to discuss notions of, of the aesthetic value, um, but once it actually came to uh, filming, uh, uh, he would come and talk to me, and he said it was like working with like the old time producers, which uh, means nothing to me really but but <laughs> but i um, I stayed out of the way so so it, it was good because when it was time to actually do his job, he had all the tools to do it the way that he needed to do it and he was extremely generous on, 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 on collaborating and, and asking him for help when he needed it and and wanting to make me happy.
0: <laughs>
2: He's a very sweet man. Well, we had a screening um, and a small get-together for the cast and crew, and I think fundamentally everybody was really happy to have been part of the experience. Um, in terms of their politics, uh, I think that you know there's a general concern about some of the issues regarding unsustainable energy, et cetera. Uh, but it was very—it was a very interesting group of people. We had people from Septe Soleil, you know. Um, very, people who, are, who are, are very theatrical and I think that, that given an opportunity to, to leave the stage and, and do something like this, I think was, was a, a nice experience. But, but as far as the result is concerned, I think nobody really knew what to expect and I think that, that they were very happy to, to see the final cut. I think that's what you wanted to hear. There are there any more questions? Okay. So what kind of instructions or guidance would the director give to the actors on set to get the, the I think it came naturally. <laughs> <laughs> no, we had um, some chorus work, you know, where, where rhythms with the knives, forks, you know eating cutting into so- like uh, the, the the dishes themselves have a lot of uh, personality, so like once you 're cutting into a sausage or you know like the DOP, like really we, we, we targeted rhythm, we targeted you know again the 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 three bald heads, uh, we also sped up the film slightly, so it gave that sort of jacques tati feel you know so um actual direction. Uh, I think it was really a a chorus work, and and then he gave certain indication to, for example, the young woman who uh, was more sympathetic uh, to to have a different point of view and separate herself a little bit from the rest of the crowd. And then there were just some big personalities. Um, I got to tell you, the man with the breathing tube uh, I, it was my idea to give him a breathing tube, because he wouldn't shut up. <laughs> I, I, I guess, because the last thing you want to do in a film where, where is to see people talking and you don't hear any sound, you know? <laughs> so I said, give him a breathing tube. <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> Thank you. I, generally, uh, they had to be all together. Um, the only person that had some uh, a, a exterior gaze was the d'. And then, of course, the musicians, you know, were sort of a band apart. But again, everybody was on the set the whole time. I mean, first of all, the buildings got a few floors. Not as many as we <laughs> created, but... Um, so people were able to hang around and as you saw, you know, there was. A, fortunately we did it in the summer, so um, we caused a bit of traffic because people would go out with all this powder and sit on the steps and smoke, you know, and then cars would drive by and go, ooh. <laughs> In our head, what well, was interesting, because it's amazing what happens when you Google meat. You know? I mean, it started out, I started looking at vultures and looking at meat, and, and the, like there's one dish where you see sort of brains in, in an oyster. Um, that's a picture I pulled off the internet. Um, so, so no, but surprising. <laughs> um, so, so when we sat down with the, the art director, it was it, already that sort of gray tone exists in the building because the light is so diffused and there's there is that decay and um, and then the color palette we just tried to keep it in a, in a somber with just kind of moments of, of color because we wanted the accent on the the gore. Um, it was a very interesting experience because I didn't want anything green you know I wanted it all to be meat related and if there was anything that was slightly vegetable, vegetation rather it had to be biblical like myrrh or an olive there were some olives um, but I, but we wanted to you know keep it so that it, it, it maintained that presence of, of that meat and blood Hi. I, I to Well, in the back, um, it, it was, it, we sort of suggested that, that maybe the maître d', who's the lower in the bourgeoisie, uh, servitude, uh, it, it, it orchestrates this. Um, so there's the four horses of the apocalypse in the back uh, when you first, but it's muted, and then at the end, when you're, you go into his eyeball, to me, that represented the hole that they fell through. Anyone else?
1: Yes, I have it's. I think it's running,
2: isn't it? It's, it's running... Where are we? In the oh, box. That, box. that, that so way. That box,
1: I think, is it... Is <laughs> it... This is...
2: Most of the animals were dead already because it was a taxidermist that we, uh, you know, got it from. Um, but, but overconsumption doesn't necessarily mean vegetarian. Uh, it, it was really that we were trying to create an idea about what's left on the planet if, if we don't do something. So I had a couple of vegetarians on the, on the set. And uh and a, fa- a few more after the film. Uh is <laughs> there a story behind the chandelier? It's <laughs> beautiful. Where did you find it? Um in Montreal <laughs> at a chandelier store. <laughs> <laughs> well, It was actually a little bit of a reference to what the building was before because it was called Holland Crystal and what they did is they made uh, crystal chandeliers and goblets and things so it was um, again going back to the homage of, of, of what it was this building prior to its present transformation so that's kind of where that came from. No, oh. and and that was we had fortunately some good contacts to get some as much film as we could, um, but but the director wanted to shoot in in thirty five millimeter, and I I felt that that was for the kind of look that we wanted. Uh, I thought it was important. You know, it was done over a long period of time, because um, fortunately. Again, Montreal is a, 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 you know, a relatively small city and everybody knows everybody. And uh, the director's brother uh, works at Fake Studio uh, and was able to give us editing suites and, and, and was so fascinated and is a f- special effects specialist. So we kind of, again, we weren't rushed. So Denis Villeneuve was quite busy because he shot two feature films in the, since, in the last two years. So whenever he had time, he'd go in and, 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 you know, it was kind of a, it was really a, um, a labor of love. A good idea, too. I mean, I was being a little bit flippant, but but right. so in, in the long term, you know, where people, I mean, you can think of a lot of things you think of, you know, the small man, um, this man of you know, Indian descent, or anything that that's attached to that. But can you expand on that a little bit more as, as you've gone on you know, the famous festivals about the man with the green, and really any other reaction that you've gotten from that? Well, Montreal is a city, well, I mean. I don't know if that's so unique anymore, but, but it's always struck me as a very, as I, it doesn't, we were looking for the people. Again, that idea of this affects the whole planet, you know, and, and Montreal is a very multicultural, like we're all immigrants, you know, so I, I, again, it was cast not with that kind of political vein, it was a representation of, of the, the actual themes, which are the gluttony or the overconsumption or the bourgeoisie which exists across the planet. it Um it was an art, the art director but, but and his boyfriend and and uh, and a lot of laughter and, and everybody coming in with a a new idea, like Bambi Carpaccio and and uh, what can we do with eyeballs? You know, it, it was it was it was fun. Um, it wasn't a specialist; it was just a bunch of interesting dinner parties. <laughs> um, It's across from where I live and uh, um, I'm the owner of it actually and it's being transformed into uh, the Phi Center, which is where we do our laboratory. You know what? I stand corrected. It was a feeding tube. I just said breathing tube, sorry. It was a feeding tube. You're right.
1: Oh wait, we have a we we have a professional. We have opinion, a doctor in the I house. <laughs> it was a great idea. I think so. Anybody else?
2: Um the actors are, uh, in terms of building the aesthetic where we're not very involved um, but but in term be, the work between the DOP the art direction um, obviously Denis Villeneuve uh, myself and and some of the key people and the costume designer we we spend a lot of time together prior to actually shooting so, so I think we kind of created a, a really strong aesthetic based on what we already knew um, but it was extremely, it was a, a lot of collaboration and, and during the shoot obviously the actors, they all come from the theatre uh, so they, they understood very quickly about trying to create this dinner table. I have no idea. But, but thank you for making that association. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question
1: about other art, if there were other fine arts, history of art things that were inspirations in terms of some of the visuals, because you feel that uh, the way that it's wrought, that it has that kind of in, in every shot.
2: Well, I think, you know, there's that Goya texture with the dark browns and pale palette, i mean, not pale, but somber palette. Um, nothing comes to mind quickly <laughs> right now, but there's cert- certainly that era of, of, of painting. And then I have another question which is, it, it, what surprised
1: you most between whatever was the first nugget inception of something that you either wrote down or noted That ultimately came. This between that point and the end, or even now, what's surprised you the most about this project?
2: That it evoked a lot of um, inspiration by the people who made it. I think was was very interesting, and uh, unfortunately, it's jaded me for life. (laughs) No. Um, Hopefully not. And uh, the fact that it was so well received, and lastly having a very strong interest in the contemporary art world to find it here in a completely different context. So I would say those are the three highlights.
1: Well, we thank you so much for coming and also for letting us show this as a black box. I think it's had some of the widest reception and strongest reception of anything we've shown there. And I am presuming that Ron is telling the truth that we can show it, yes? For those of you who would like to see next floor one more time on the big screen.